Cree and Yoohoo, everybody. We made it. It's Solitudes, the big milestone episode that spawned a thousand fan fictions. Um, this is a high-scoring episode, not the least of which because of the sexual tension with Samantha Carter, which, as we know on the scoreboard here, scores a mighty, mighty ten points. Anyway, let me just start with the title here. Why is it Solitudes? They are together, therefore it is not a plural, unless they're supposed to be a part in their togetherness, which is weird because it's the closest they've ever been. I think it was a writer's thing that the yeah, director didn't really <laughs> show us. Anyway, straight away in this episode, it's five points for Walter with an incoming traveller. And he is acting his balls off in this episode. <laughs> like, just every scene, it's Walter giving the information, being excited, setting the tone, being sad, somber, confused, informative. Um, and, yeah, they get thrown through the gate, and there's this, uh, Daniel and Teal, and there's this little fake-out that the director does. He sort of does a moving shot on the gate, and it looks like it's going into the opening credits with the spinning and the stuff. But it's not. It's a... It's actually the other gate, where the other guys are lying there, dead for all we know. <laughs> um, I noticed this episode is written by Brad Wright. He wrote the earlier ones, and this one is like... Yeah, like I say, this episode is a friggin' cornerstone of Stargate that opens up so many things that follow on, and I think probably it was one of the ones that he would have written quite early, you know because it's so story-heavy, because it sets the tone of Jack and Sam getting closer, because it brings on all the extra info about other gates, gold seeding worlds, and so on and so forth. Um, it really probably shows his intentions. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't act, know off... I don't know off the top... Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head if he kept writing a whole lot more of them as time went on, but I think this one's probably really, really emblematic of the early Stargate here, which is why it's such a classic. Um, I listened to this other podcast called James Bonding with Matt and Matt, and they have this sort of running joke about uh, Pierce Brosnan's James Bond movies, he always does hurt acting, where he's being tortured or something, and, and it's, yeah, they, <laughs> I think in this episode of Stargate, Jack O'Neill with the broken leg just takes the hurt acting way <laughs> over the top. Ah, you're there! You're there! <laughs> um, and there's, I'm going to give it some points here. Uh, I'm going to give it 9 points, not 10, for the obvious reference is obvious, or egregious, or much is egregious, because he says, don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Reference to the Wizard of Oz, which they do, they sprinkle that everywhere. Um, I'm only giving it 9 because there's another point later for another reference, and I'll try to stick to a total of 10 there. Very confusing. But yeah, Jack O'Neill is busted, and it's Captain Carter take the wheel. And this, again, goes back to the very, very early Captain Carter, where she walks into the room and she's basically toe-to-toe -to -toe with these alpha males, and now it's her time to shine. Kinda. 
<laughs> we got a point here for the guys walking in front of the gate in the old stock footage at the front of Cheyenne Mountain. And I gave it another point also around about this time. There's, It's a push and swell, but it's a reverse push and swell because Jack and Sam have just realized that they're in this cavernous ice world and instead of going in, 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 in for the swell, for the tension to build, the tension actually builds by going out, 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 and seeing that they are completely alone. So that's a little bit of a fudging that one, but I'm giving it anyway. Um, God, I love Walter in that hard hat. <laughs> he is talking his butt off, and you think he's gonna, he's been sort of called on to do all the techno babble, because Carter's gone, and there's no Siler for some reason, and so... Walter's just babble, babble, babble. We can't get the capacitors and the things and the... But then, no, 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 he steps out of the way and Sergeant Silo walks right in with a big old wrench that he does, you know, metaphorically. <laughs> so there's another five points there. This is just racking up points. Um, God, don't you just love Jack's story about breaking his leg in the middle of the desert and walking out for nine days on his own? Um, wow. It really kind of shows you a side of him that uh, it doesn't stick around very long. He becomes very goofy, very interested in sitting at home watching The Simpsons and drinking a beer and going fishing. Um, <laughs> some, sometimes it's nice to see the Kurt Russell, the badass, the Terminator. But um, all of this talking that they do back and forth in the cave, Jack and Sam, he's hurt, she's help, She's splinting up his leg and setting it, and he's in immense pain, and she's feeling empathetic pain. It's like they're having sex. This is their version of intercourse on G-rated TV. It's beautiful. They're really getting to know each other. <laughs> but I'm giving it a point here for deflecting and shrugging off their... They're loving emotions because Jack just brings it right back to his wife. And then it's the the magic of <laughs> painful intercourse is over. And he's just straight back to, Captain, tell me about our supplies. Why'd you do that? You're alone on the ice world. It's the perfect chance. And no one's going to know. You do. You should. Okay, I do, I'm going to stop there. I do not do fan fiction. I am not writing fan fiction. But anyway, yes, here we go. The ten points for the sexual tension. Because they're hugging! Oh. They're, like, cuddling or... Yeah. My notes are not very specific. But they do that a lot. And um, here's that other point um, for the egregious homage. Uh, obvious reference. It's... Uh, Carter's saying, well, we might have got thrown onto this other planet somewhere along the matter stream, yada-da-da-da-da, but even if they search all of them, the chances against finding us are blah-blah-blah, and Jack goes, ah, bah, and he's about to say, never tell me the odds, which of course is a reference to Han Solo and C-3PO, which is a very weird dynamic to bring up if, if Samantha Carter is C-3PO. <laughs> Come to think of it, that has never occurred to me. Is Jack O'Neill supposed to be Han Solo? <laughs> oh my god. 
Um, there's another point because Gary says Chevron 7 locked, but he does it in this really cool juxtaposed little sequence where every line of his has a few lines of other people's dialogue in it, so it's so drawn out, so much tension getting to that Chevron 7 locked. I was on the edge of my seat, let me tell you. Um, and we, then we get into the, the super duper techno babble about too much energy, it influences the matter stream and overloads it, and it has to jump off to another stargate and discharge it. L- stop. Let me ask you right here. Does this come up again, all the other times where they send a freaking stargate into the middle of a sun? You know, they say the first star's the hardest. <laughs> um, does that not cause it to overload? For goodness sakes. I'm, I'm absolutely positive Stargates get thrown around out of space and exploded and into um, stars and maybe even a black hole and all kind, all manner of crazy super-energized things, let alone puny little energy weapons on a planet. Surely this has not been uh, kept up in a uh, conscientious way. <laughs> I think that just throwing this out here in the beginning, and then I forgot about it. Because that's what they do with everything. Because it's Stargate SG-1. God, I love it! Um, but yeah, we've established the multiple gates thing, and... But yeah, so... Jack and Sam are digging, and of course there's that famous blooper outtake where they're sitting on the glacier, and... Uh, some, uh, Amanda Tapping forgets her line and just goes, well, why, why don't you build a freaking nuclear reactor, for God's sakes, and get us out of here? I'm stuck on a glacier with MacGyver! And uh, she talked about this when I saw her at the uh, good old Melbourne Return to the Gate fan thing that I went to. She, she told us about uh, how she was actually horrifyingly nervous because she didn't even know Richard Dean Anderson that well, and she was still, like, you know, brand new, and uh, he didn't even react. You can see in the blooper clip. Look it up on YouTube. I'm sure you've seen it if you're a fan. It's on some of the DVD extras as well. He just kind of deadpans into the camera and lets her go. <laughs> and everyone laughs. Can you can you imagine, like, acting next to a gigantic TV star like that <laughs> and being, like, like walking on eggshells? I'm super glad that they uh, loosened up. Anyway, they keep hugging. And they discover the broken ribs and the body heat. And the, it's my sidearm, I swear. And then Captain Carter says, I don't want to have any regrets when I die. Come on! I mean, come on! She's like, well, what about it? And he just completely misses it. And instead they go for a big old reverse pull out and swell. <laughs> No pun intended. <laughs> so there's another point there. Um, there's so many push and swell failures. Martin Wood, the director, um, he ends all his scenes on a little bit of a pan and a music swell, but never the push. Hmm, shame for the maniacs like me who are keeping track of that. Anyway, we're back to the earthquake thing from the movie. And, like, from never, ever since then. The gate starts quaking, and Daniel's the only one to notice, because, I don't know, they're desperately trying to keep him in the mood, in 
in the episode. Because, <laughs> yeah, they got nothing to do, let's be honest. Um, the earthquake thing, isn't that just... Mm, the earthquake thing... I have questions. Uh, they mention frequency dampeners that make it no longer happen. Okay. Trace this back with me. Now, this earthquake shaken thing happens because the coordinates, if I'm not mistaken, uh, have become uh, a little bit outdated. And so the wormhole's like rocking and reeling trying to find the right coordinates. It's close, but not exact. And that's only happening on Earth gates because we don't have the DHD. Um, and Carter sort of goes into that a little bit. It might have even been the pilot episode about how the DHDs kind of automatically update every now and then so that the shaking never happens. There are other gates on other worlds. Surely to God. Where the DHDs are missing. Haven't we done this? For example, even the one with, uh... Whatchamacallit? Oh my gosh, I'm blanking. <laughs> I can't believe I'm blanking. The Torment of Tantalus, where they have to dial the gate by hand and use the lightning. Now that place has not had a DHD for quite a time because it fell off the cliff, which was crumbling. There's that other one, it might be season one or two, where they go to that prison planet, and they power the gate with, like, vines and some kind of magic radioactive juice, and they let that crazy lady escape, inadvertently. Again, no shaking. I erased my case, Your Honor. Um, anyway. Another point for some outside guys walking back and forth just before Daniel figures out all of that. What do we got here? Then they're back on the damn planet again. They're cold. I'm just bored at this point. <laughs> like, it's clear they're not going anywhere with this. Uh, they There's like, what, 10, 12 scenes where they were cuddling or just chatting or digging or freezing to death and whispering. And they really could have left it at like 7 for my patience. Just me? Okay, just me. Anyway, they work it out and all is well. And Hammond goes to the damn scene, and I'm giving that 10 points. He doesn't go off-world, he doesn't have a gun, but he's on the scene, he's taking charge of things. That's 10 points for Hammond right there. This this episode doesn't stop with the points, though, because Teal'c is right there in the cave in Antarctica with them. And guess what? He's wearing a hat, because he's working with the Antarctic team, not Stargate team, so he's got to pretend to be human. So it's another 10 right there. And then, and you know what? I'm giving it another 10 points because the episode ends with Hammond gazing upon the second Stargate and the foreboding. And that's just a cool wild card. It just, yeah, there you go. The second gate. The world has gotten much bigger. There are still lots of cool mysteries to come. So tallying that up, I make this episode 60 points. Racing into the lead above Enigma on 48 as of this recording. Um... It's a goodie. It's a goodie. I might read some fan fiction and see what people did with this. <laughs> uh, poor innocent Stargate. And no one can express their feelings. Um, well, here we are. Well, I've tried to keep this one. 
Well, I've tried to keep this one short, and I'm off again, and I don't know when the next one will drop. As I've kind of mentioned, I do these very, very irregularly. Uh, I've moved from Queensland, Australia, to Christchurch, New Zealand. I'm flipping backwards and forwards between Dunedin, Christchurch, and a couple other places in the South Island, and in five weeks I'm moving to Wellington, New Zealand. None of these places have... In none of these places do I have a permanent kind of base to sit down and put on some DVDs and do some yakking into an iPad to record a podcast or set up a computer to edit a podcast. So, no promises. But I'll see you when I see you. Hopefully you're not stuck on a frozen ice world. Because I ain't coming searching for you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Check it out on the... You know, the the website, creeyoohoo.wordpress.com, or mail me at creeyoohoo at gmail.com. Okay, hope to hear from you. Bye-bye.